0: Amen. Well, thank you for that testimony, Jessica. Where'd you go? There you are. Thank you for that testimony. Amen. And thank you for singing. I'd like you to take your Bibles and open up with me to the New Testament. We're going to dive into, as Brother Juan said, a series on the parables. We've done a number of series, and there's something about spending a little bit of time on a in a thematic sort of a way that lays a strong foundation, I believe, as an educator and allows us to keep on building in that area so that we really get it. Sometimes there's an overlapping, and sometimes we refer to things, and, but, but there's strength in that concept. And we're going to be spending several weeks, I don't know how many, although I have a list of parables and the, the various... Um, you know they're grouped by themes, and you know I know how many there are, maybe fifteen or so. I, I don't know that we'll do all fifty and fifteen of them like that, but I'm looking forward to the series. But the one suggested that we do this series, and I appreciate that. There's um, a lot of strength in that. So having said that, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter thirteen, and we're going to read a little bit about a parable that is a very familiar parable, and I hope to draw and plan, intend, and expect through faith in the, in the Lord and the Word for this to be fresh, have new meaning, and personal application to us tonight. This is not just some academic uh, exercise in reviewing what we've already learned. The, Lord, the Word is it's, um, it's quick and powerful. You know, I've had a lot of knives that lost their edge, but the Word never loses its edge. And every time it's it's pulled out of the scabbard, it's got an edge that can cut to the quick, to the heart of the matter. And I intend for the Word to do that to me as well as you tonight. Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower and the seed. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him. Now let me pause there. Jesus was accustomed to great multitudes. When we did the series on the Beatitudes, and we'll look back at that in just a few moments here, Matthew chapter five, he had great multitudes with him. So here he had multitudes again. He came out of the house. They kind of had that probably of um, kind of a. Uh, he didn't own a home, but there were times when people would let him use a home as kind of a, a base point, so to speak. So many people, he had to leave the house, went to another location to be able to accommodate them. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Have you ever noticed how sound waves really travel on water? I used to think that it was just the wind blowing the sound in, you know, his, his, that natural amplification. But there's something about traveling on water that it, it, it's incredible. As a matter of fact, we were just up in the Boundary Water canoe area, the wilderness, and they specifically say, be really careful about being loud, because the next campsite, a mile down, those people can hear you very carefully. Don't mess with their wilderness experience. Jesus was taking advantage of that phenomenon because he had to speak to the multitude because he wanted people to hear. You Get that? He wants us to hear. He that hath an ear, he was not just talking about a natural ear, but now he wanted to make sure that the natural ear in this situation was being tickled, so to speak, was, could hear it. And he spake many things unto them in parables. In parables. In cloaked language. In symbolism. He didn't just lay it right out there like he did in the Beatitudes. Well, if you will, just kind of keep a finger there and flip over to Matthew chapter 5. Jesus was not speaking in parables. When he first started his ministry, he spoke very clearly, very openly, very understandably. Uh, from an educator standpoint, he spoke on a probably a low level so that everybody could get it kind of on the first level. It wasn't that high critical thinking stuff that he was giving necessarily. Not to demean his teaching technique, but he was trying to make sure people got it. Matthew chapter five. Let's take a look at fourteen. He went all through all the beatitudes, but he went on. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Let your light so shine. He went on to explain his example. Let your light so shine. Came right out and said it. Jump down to twenty. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. He was really clear. He was plain. No cloak language there. He was almost kind of in your face a little bit. Very clear. But the Lord in this phase here, when he was first just getting started with his ministry, was taking an approach that was different than the parables. And there was a reason there. We'll get to that. There's a reason why he began to speak in parables. Now jump back to 13. 13, the, se- the second part, red language, the red letter, if you will. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside. Now let me pause there for a second. Now you've probably seen the picture, but in case you haven't, let me draw a little word picture for you here. Tell a little word picture. Imagine, if you will, fabric bag with a strap that would come up over the shoulder of the farmer. And it had a large opening in it, and it was full of seed. And the farmer could just reach into that sack and grab a handful of seed, the dry seed from last year that was kept for the crop. They didn't eat it because they wanted to grow another crop. It was the seed corn, the seed, if you will, for that year. And that farmer would throw that seed by hand And the term, the verb that they would use would, he would broadcast that seed. We use that for radio now, radio broadcast. This was a seed broadcast. It went everywhere. It wasn't limited to a certain row. It wasn't limited to a certain depth. It wasn't limited to a certain soil. He broadcast it everywhere. And that was their technique. He just let it fly. Now they, have, they dig little trenches, and they put one little seed, and they never let the wind get to it, and they cover it over immediately. And that's good, probably because they're few, using less seed and making sure it gets to where it needs to get and spread out properly and so on. But they didn't have that technology. So he broadcasted and got everywhere, blew everywhere, to these four different types of soils that we're going to get to here. And when he sowed, some fell by the wayside. We've heard this a thousand times but keep your heart open here tonight. Let me challenge you in the spirit. Keep your heart, your, your heart open tonight. When he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured those seeds up. Some fell on stony places, where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprang up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, and they withered away. Now, about this time, the crowd is hearing Jesus and kind of looking at each other like, What's he talking about? I don't get it. He didn't get it, it was his intent. He was using a parable to hide the truth intentionally. What's he talking about? Somebody's over there saying, "Amen Jesus." Because he didn't want to look dumb. Some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And he ends with, He who hath ears to hear, let him hear. I can just see the Apostle Peter. (laughs) Okay, come on. Andrew, maybe, you know, the behind-the-scenes guy, it's like, hmm. He didn't get it. And Jesus was effective in keeping it hidden for that point, for that moment. Now, why was Jesus speaking like that? Why in the world would Jesus, who came to save the world, not want to just lay the truth right out there? Why in the world wouldn't he want to come up to somebody and say, Here, here it is, right here. Here's the dish. I mean, right here. The entree, the plate, the dessert. It's right here. Why wouldn't he want to do that? He did that because he had entered into his second phase of ministry. The first phase of ministry, people were there. Go, Jesus! The second phase of ministry, the Pharisees had really started to give him grief. And they had already planned that at some point they were going to kill him. It accused him at this point of working under the power of Beel- or by the power of Beelzebub. That accused him of you know, violating the Sabbath, and they were just in his face, and so he was in the second phase where things weren't going the way it was like in that gospel honeymoon, if you will, when he first got started. And so at this point, because there were some people that were openly opposed to him, what he decided to do was to do a little bit of separation decide who's really gonna dig it out and lay out the mystery and see who would pick up the book and try to figure out the whodunit it was intentional now have you ever sat in a math class I'll give a personal example you ever sat in a math class and you watched the teacher explain the theorem or whatever they were working on and you saw them do the work it was like, yeah, I get this. I understand that. Yeah, I got that. I see how they got it. And then you sit down with your homework. It's like, how did they do that? Can anybody relate to that? Now, Who can't, who can't relate to that? <laughs> I can relate to that. I've been there, done that. if the job of a math teacher was simply to get up and show you the answers all that would be doing is proving their math skill that's not their job they're not the sage on the stage like is used sometimes in the educational realm I know so much and watch me kids I know how to do this right here is whatever that's not education that's not good education that's a show that's an ego shot, ego boost, brother. A good educator will say, hey, Johnny, come up here now. You do one. But a good educator will say, now, what's the next step going to be? A good educator will take that and walk them through it, but will say, now, okay, it's your chance, homework time. And when they do their homework, now, did you get it? Or what didn't you get? And we'll walk them through it step by step. And what that teacher is trying to do is to get the people to get it, not just hear it, but to understand it. So that they can teach it to the next person. So that they can have an ear to hear and understand it. It's a good teacher. This is part of what Jesus was doing. He didn't want people just to be able to say, Yeah, I heard Jesus, and man, that guy's cool. He wanted somebody to be able to say, you know, I heard his gospel, and his gospel, is, it's, it's here, it's this, it's what it is. And, and let me explain it to you. I understand it. He wanted people to be able to understand. And there were people that didn't matter how much he explained it, they were going to say, he's from Beelzebub. There were people that maybe didn't care enough to say, you know, I don't do the spiritual homework. Jesus laid it out in a way that was a mystery like I said without it was the butler in the what's one of the rooms in the parlor with the lead pipe no he he didn't give the answer to that you got to solve that we have fun playing that game don't we (laughs) He did that because he wanted people to have a hunger in their heart, to use that hunger to find the full truth. Have you ever witnessed to somebody and they were eager to get it, they just couldn't get it fast enough. And then another person, it was like, man, it was like water off a duck's back. The difference there is how much they want to receive it, how much they're willing to do something about it jesus at this point realized who's the ultimate teacher i've got to reach these people some people don't want to hear this i've got to find out i've got to give people a chance to understand but they've got to process it on their own there's and forgive me for this educational stuff here but it's i'm hardwired it that way sorry you know okay we're studying the, the civil war the lowest level probably of the civil war is okay what, what was the year the Civil War was over? Come on, somebody. 1865, right? Okay. Whew, we're in trouble, man. Whew. You know, that's just kind of like, that's like data, you know? First President of the United States. Whew, yes, we got one. Okay, that's just like low-level stuff. Now, when you get to the top of that level, you get the classic compare-and-contrast- The first and the second president, they're not even telling you who they are. They expect you to know who they are and what was different about their administration. That's a different level of learning there. Compare and contrast the Civil War with the Spanish War. Come on. You all have heard the whole compare and contrast question in college, haven't you? It's kind of like, oh, Lord, not those. And you can't just compare. You've got to come back and you've got, to contra- you've got to show how they're similar and how they're dissimilar. That's higher level thinking. That's what Jesus was trying to get his followers to do. Not just to say, yeah, it's um, the candlelight. It's like, no, what about the candlelight? That's what he was trying to do. It wasn't just high level training, though. It wasn't just high level teaching. It was also... Trying to find out who was hungry to dig it out. Now let me make a little application right now. Ever sat in church, not math class, church, and the preacher is preaching, and it's kind of like, I don't even get where he's going, and it's like, man, I don't. I don't know if I'm spiritually struggling and I'm distracted. I don't know if my heart's just not ready to receive what's being preached. I don't know if I don't want to hear the truth that I think he's trying to say. Probably every one of us have sat during sermons and walked away, and it's kind of like 10 minutes later. We're driving home. It's like, you know, it's like, what's that? Etch a sketch. And somebody just did the little it's gone, you know? Have you ever felt that way after a sermon? We all felt that way. I've preached a sermon and felt that way about my own sermon. That's another story. The Lord wants us to get it. And if you're ever in a place where it's like, Man, what was that about you have a chance to say I I didn't get the whodunit or you have a chance like the Lord hopes to say I gotta process that sermon again until I get it because there's something in there that I need to get because you and I sit at the feet of Jesus today like the multitudes then and sometimes truth comes in cloaked terms Sometimes the Spirit still speaks in terms that expects us and needs for us to process it and dig it out. And the Lord needs for us, to wants for us to, expects us to do that because He doesn't want us just to be a little amen Christian. He wants us to get it, to dig it out. Study to show yourself approved. That's that's not just kind of like the light level that's a little deeper level there so here we have the four different types of soil there's the hardened soil I won't spend a lot of time on this here but I'm gonna spend enough time on there's the hardened soil what's wrong with hard soil it's kind of like hail coming down on a tin roof when you try to plant seeds on hard soil It doesn't penetrate. It bounces off. And if you can't get seed in the ground, he's not going to make it. It just bounces off. Sometimes the gospel is broadcast in a sermon, and people put up their hard-hearted shell. It says, not me, not this time. Uh Uh-uh, baby. Well, they don't use those words. But it's like, "Mm -mm. nope. Bounce off. Bounce off. Hold up that mirror shield. Nope, nope. No spirit's going to get me. And the Lord said, that happens. If you find that happening in you, remember that the Lord said, that's a type of soil that's not going to grow the seed of the word. That's a problem. If you sense arise in you a resistance a hardness a an an easiness no man if you sense that something's wrong plumber was over at the Coogans a couple days ago and he had to put in a clean out line he had to dig down in the front yard about three and a half feet and he was down at the bottom of the hole and it was typical Indiana typical Indiana soil he had a jackhammer in the dirt. No rocks, just soil. He had a jackhammer in the dirt. Not because he just wanted to get done quickly. The guy was almost 100% soaked in sweat and it was about 9.15 in the morning. <laughs> and it was, it was hard soil, folks. No seed gonna grow there if you throw it on that. Tink, tink gonna bounce right off that soil you know that's kind of like the sermon in some of our hearts sometimes you ever been like that it's like man i I, not this sermon not okay don't raise your hand I've been there it's like it, it felt like it was like man no touch none. no I don't want this one the good news is that we are not permanently locked in the type of soil like this parable describes that's the good news we can say, God, there's something wrong here. Help me. Pour some water on this dry soil. Soften this thing up here, God. I had something wrong here. I sense it's wrong. There was a time when I was soft. What happened, God? God will come along. We were, we were, we were I keep pointing to Brother Titus here. A few days ago, we were over at CCS planting some um, bushes, I guess boxwood, and, and a variety of plants, and the Dad's Club really did a great job, and it wasn't just Dad's Club, because it was just guys from church, too. And really spruced the place up, put out mulch and everything. But we're d- digging down in this, if you look at the tower of the school, just to the left as you're walking in. We got down a few inches past that, you know, that nice soil that they threw on top, and we got down to the construction debris, you know, the, the rock and the cement and the, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh. Brother Titus is over there with this handy-dandy shovel that I was coveting and his big, strong leg, and he's kind of like going through that almost, not quite like butter, but he was going through it pretty quick, and I'm over there, bink, 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 you know, one, one little rock at a time, it seemed, I don't know, and, uh, but we got through, <laughs> we got through, and we got a bunch of plants planted, but I could, we, were t- we were talking about the soil at that time, as a matter of fact, and hard soil's tough. God finds hard soil tough too. But he's willing to stay at it. Keep digging. Sometimes we're hard soil. He's willing to stay at it. He's not going to give up. The next kind of soil. It's rocky soil. Now it's not just that the soil is rocky, but not very deep below the soil is a layer of the bedrock. So you have a little bit of soil, and then the bedrock below that. Josh, we were up in the boundary waters. Remember climbing that first cliff right there by the by the, uh, the falls when we went up that high that way, and we went to this path, and that huge pine tree that had fallen over, and there was this root structure that had grown in this shallow, shallow soil, and the root structure was probably, I'll say 15 feet in diameter, and the tree was probably, um, foot and a half at least in diameter. Very tall pine tree, probably a ponderosa pine, beautiful tree. And a wind had come along and had just taken that pine tree and laid it over on its side. And the root structure it was all intact, and the pine needles were just there like it had just happened. It was actually it was a very, very windy time when we were up there. I don't know, it might have happened just right before that for all I know. The night before when the tents got blown over, or the tent got blown over. And so here's this tree is blown over. Because when the resistance came, when the tough times came, it only had roots about that deep. Huge tree. And so long as everything was pretty good, it was able to stand up. But when the troubles came along, those roots were pulled up in the air. Shallow soil. Shallow soil is talking about people that don't have a deep understanding of the Word of God. It's a shallow understanding. They receive the word. The seed grows. It's like a person that gets the Holy Ghost. And their life has changed. They're smiling. They're dynamic. And a week later, they're back to their pot-smoking friends. Because it was shallow. A very real germination experience. The real seed, the real soil, the real sun, the real water, but not enough soil to sustain the growth. We've all seen it. People come and have real experiences in God. It's like, God, what did you do wrong? It's like, no, no. They didn't get into the Word. And that's where you and I can come in. When a person comes to the Lord, they need depth that doesn't come from the Holy Ghost. That depth will come through the Word. If they get into the Word, they'll deepen the soil and allow those roots to grow stronger and deeper hold on tougher in the tough times are you in the word do you read the bible monday through friday saturday do you read it on your own do you let it germinate in your heart do you listen to preaching once in a while on the radio or or good gospel songs that stuff Deepens your experience with God. That stuff strengthens you for the day of struggle. That stuff challenges or or, or, um, changes you from being eager to receive it but quick to lose it to eager to receive it and able to keep it. Big difference. That's what Jesus was trying to say. But he didn't say it right away. I'm giving you explanations that we're going through here. That's not the way Jesus did it. There's the thorny soil. And the Bible says something interesting about the thorny soil. Let me see if I can't find it and read it. Verse 7. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Like I said, I'm not delivering this the way Jesus delivered it. I've got some other things I'm trying to do too. But he just put it out there like I read it the very first time without explanation. Now we're kind of explaining it here thorns are the things growing in a person's life that are fighting for the nutrients that are fighting for the Sun that canopy that was bigger and taller than the little seedling that was trying to grow are other things growing in your life that are blocking the word that are stunting the good seed are there things in your life that you're putting time and energy and interest and attention into that is blacking the Sun from the good that comes to you is there something else in your life that is vying for the nutrients that's in the soil that is needed that are needed for the word to grow other things that are pulling away at your time and your attention and your money and your interest level that keep The word stunted. That's what God was trying to say there. That's what the Lord was trying to say. Good seed. Good ground. But something else sprung up. That took over. Cares of life, the Bible says. The cares of life. Maybe it's the bills. Maybe it's the hours at the job. Maybe it's... A lot of things, but other fell in good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, and some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And if you want to figure it out, you'll ask what I'm trying to talk about. Jessica said, "Just call out the name Jesus." Sometimes say, Jesus, help me to get this. When you you sit down with the Word of God, whisper a little prayer, Jesus, help me to understand what you're trying to say here. It'll be a more productive reading experience if you do that. Lord, open my understanding. Good ground. Productive deep of soil, not thorns, not hard. But there's an interesting thing about good ground and that is this. In good ground when it goes through the freeze-thaw cycle something happens in good ground, in the best of ground. Over winter rocks are forced to the surface and a farmer has to go out in the best of fields with his tractor and pick up rocks and boulders, things that have come to the surface in order to make it good ground again. In the best of ground. Yeah, but I'm good ground. But have you ever sensed something surfacing and it's like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? That's happened to me. The Apostle Peter, go Jesus! And then a little bit later, Jesus is off there being tried, and it's like, Jesus who? That's a stone that worked its way up to the surface of a good man. And it let him look at himself and realize, wow, that was in there? Jesus, help me get that out of there we never get to the place where we are perfect soil we never get to the place where we don't have to worry about spreading herbicide if you will for the thorns and picking out the stones and softening up the hardness because we have a propensity as the human race to go back to hardness and go back to stoniness and go back to being covered with thorns because that's the fight that we fight. And about the time we think, yeah, I'm pretty good. Blow me stuff, man. Bring it on. Bring those seeds on, man. And the Lord says, hey, Jack, what about your pride? It's like, ooh, God help me with that. Because we all have stuff like that we've got to deal with. The thing is, not if it's going to come to the surface, because It will. The thing is, what are you going to do with it when it raises its ugly head out of your good ground? That's when you, like the good farmer, you go out there and say, I'm going to get rid of this thing, and I'm going to haul it over here so I can do some more plowing out here because i got 30 and 60 and 20 and whatever fold that i got to get busy to work on. Well, maybe I'll just plow around that for a while. Don't settle for plowing around Don't settle for avoiding the stuff that you know you've got to deal with. Yeah, but that rock is too big for me, man. And I don't want to tell anybody else it's there. Maybe it's that website. You don't know how to handle that. You don't want to tell anybody. But if it's a two-man rock, get somebody else to help you. You get what I'm saying? You get it? Get the rock out. Get the rock out. The Bible talks about confession, and there's I am not saying that we should stand up and confess to the sin of whatever. But to go to a friend and say, man, I'm kind of struggled with some stuff. Could you give me a hand? Would you kind of check up on me? Would you, how do you, how'd you conquer this, man? How do you deal with this? There is strength in that. There, there is strength in that kind of confession because it's saying, I'm not perfect. And brother, I need you. I need you. And when you come with that kind of a spirit to a person who has a little bit of a desire to do what's right for God they're not gonna laugh at you they're not gonna talk down their spiritual nose at you because they're probably dealing with some stuff themselves or they've dealt with it and they're working on something else or whatever get some help because that's God understand God knows what's in the dirt man he's got x-ray vision he knows what's coming up next summer next winter rather he's got the strength to help us what's the best time to go find arrowheads I'll tell you the best time to go find arrowheads in a field right after the winter ground is thawed and you have a heavy rain and the dirt washes down and up in the top you'll see some stones some of those are Indian heads people that understand that know when to go out there not just to get rid of the bad rocks but to find the treasures no that's not exactly the right example right now but there's a time to go out and get rid of the rocks and when the time to get rid of the rocks has come get out there get them out in the name of Jesus Jesus help me with this one Maybe you're dealing with a little integrity issue. Jesus, help me with this one. Whatever, maybe a little bit of lust. Jesus, help me with this one. We're all human. We all deal with that stuff. And we don't like to talk about that stuff. It's uncomfortable. But we all deal with that stuff. But the Lord was tempted like us. Temptations are common to man. It's not a mystery. And God says, I'll help you. Come to me. I'll help you. I'll help you clean that ground up. When, um, years ago, I went to Southern Ohio where a relative of mine back about six generations left that area right on the Ohio River and moved to Illinois and the family in Ohio really no longer had connections because this, you know, back 1875 when you took your wagon and you had it out, there wasn't a whole lot of communication after that and so I went back there I won't go into the whole story but I went back to where a man showed me that homestead was the homestead wasn't there anymore it was a field erica you remember that it was a field that was just probably maybe three-fourths of a mile away from the ohio river and up on the hill right from where this homestead was there was let me paint the whole picture there's a field and on the side of the field there was a rise and a hill came up and backed up right up against that hill was where that homestead was that was gone at this point but you could still sell, you could tell there'd been something there there was foundation stones and so on and up that hill maybe a hundred hundred and fifty yards was a road that was part of the underground railroad trail if you will that was used and this was on the Ohio side and I don't know if relatives in that home had anything to do with that but it just kind of helped it bring it to life to me I know that that family then sent people off to fight in the Civil War and and so on just it it brought it to life to me I walked down there and and without realizing what we were getting into Erica and Brittany and I we started walking out on the field near that homestead and we looked down and we saw some stuff on the top. It was spring break, and it was early in the year. And I found some stuff. Can't find it now, but I found it <laughs> Yeah, really. <laughs> and I found a piece of pottery. Salt-glazed pottery. Old stuff. Somebody probably buried it at one point and here 130 years later working its way slowly to the surface piece of pottery that was a part of that homestead that my great 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 grandfather left back in 1875 it well, doesn't mean anything to you but it says to me it took a while for that stuff to make its way back to the surface can't say that this was something that my great-great whatever owned but it was from that homestead and it was up there on top of the dirt clods, worked its way to the surface a little piece of pottery I don't know if this is a cup or bowl or what this was it's old. Years later, worked its way to the surface. Freeze thaw, worked its way to the surface. Now to me these, as you can obviously tell, they're mementos because they're, they're not nearly as cool as your cup with your family name on them. But they're a connection to the past, something that is meaningful. And I keep them just because of what I just have described to you. But but let me challenge you to somehow (laughs) make a museum of stuff that you've dug out of your life and you got rid of. A museum is something that is no longer in use it's probably not the best analogy but you keep it as a way to say devil I conquered that one by the blood of God I I see that one I conquered that one too I dug it out it's no longer there you don't have me on that one anymore devil that doesn't mean nothing's not going to work its way to the surface not some other something but I figured out devil how this thing works and I know how I can get those things out of there And I believe that's part of what Jesus was trying to say to these people. The the, the, the parable on the surface implies that stony soil is always stony soil, and good soil is always good soil, and so on. But we understand that God has the power to make us anew, to transform us, to recreate us. And he has the power to do what no one else can do, but it happens when we go to him one last little piece here the only you know the only difference in the multitude that we read about that included scribes and Pharisees and the apostles and other disciples you know the only difference between the disciples and the Pharisees they all heard the sermon they all heard about the ground they all got the mystery. I mean, they they understood the groundwork, if you will, of the mystery. The only difference was that the disciples said, Jesus, you've got to explain this to me. Because I want the answer. And the Pharisees stood back and said, I don't care what the answer is. That's the the way that we react to a sermon, the way that we react to this lesson, this sermon tonight, will determine whether or not you fall down on the side, if you will, with the disciples, the followers of Christ, or if you fall on the side of the Pharisees who said, not me, not today, not never. So little difference, but so profoundly big. When you say, Jesus, what's it mean? I want more. I want your help. It's power is. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that your word is for us today. That you speak to our hearts today. And that you try to get through to us, Lord, regardless of how hard we can be. Lord, help us to say yes to you again. Help us to dig that stuff up with your help and get rid of it. Help us, Lord Jesus, to have a hunger to be good ground. We ask for your help, Jesus. In your precious name I pray. (laughs) Amen. 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 Maybe tonight before we leave this room or later you call somebody and say hey can I talk maybe tonight not tomorrow and you say let me pray about something maybe tonight you dealing with something deal with it get it out deal with it That's what the Spirit would say. Them that have an ear to hear. In Jesus' name. Well, thank the Lord for the word. Can you say Amen to that? Thank the Lord for the word. Well, God bless you. It's been good to be in the house of God. The Titus has graciously brought some snacks back there, and we're going to have a little bit of fellowship. And don't be in a hurry to rush off. Sounds like they're still teaching, preaching, talking, whatever, upstairs, so make yourself um, friendly tonight.